Welcome to State of Health Podcast. This is your host, J-Mart. On this podcast, I will share my knowledge and experience as a personal trainer and health coach and talk about my interests and experiments in physical training, nutrition, and other lifestyle factors involved in health. On this episode of the podcast, we are going to learn about an infamous experiment from the late 60s, early 70s called the Minnesota Coronary Experiment. This was an intervention diet trial where the investigators studied nursing home and mental hospital patients by altering their diets to reduce saturated fat consumption, but increased consumption of corn oil rich in omega-6 polyunsaturated fatty acids. The reason this study is infamous is because it was an extremely large and well-documented study designed to provide indisputable evidence to support the diet heart hypothesis. However, when the results of the trial went against the expectations of the investigators, the data was set aside and never fully published till 2016, almost 40 years later. Here's my review of the 2016 analysis of the Minnesota coronary experiment data. In summary, the data clearly indicates that changing one's diet by replacing saturated fats with seed oils rich in omega-6 polyunsaturated fatty acids does reduce blood cholesterol levels, but does not reduce the risk of death from coronary heart disease or all-cause mortality. The evidence shows a clear association between lowering blood cholesterol levels and increasing risk of death from all causes, specifically in experiment participants who were enrolled in the study for the longest period of time, which ranged from 1 to 4 years. This association was more strongly driven in the SOP population of participants who were over the age of 65. The authors speculate that one possible explanation for the lack of benefit from polyunsaturated fatty acids is their increased susceptibility to get oxidized. Therefore, the net effect of increasing polyunsaturated fatty acid consumption produces unfavorable results because of the wide range of biochemical consequences oxidization presents. Ultimately, the Minnesota coronary experiment is the largest study of its kind with rigorous controls and included patient populations such as women and people over the age of 65 not usually seen in similar trials. I think it's the best evidence we have available to judge the validity of the diet heart hypothesis, and in my opinion, the results of the trial clearly go against the model. I don't think there's a benefit to high omega-6 polyunsaturated fatty acid consumption, especially if we consider that historically, humans have only consumed about 2-3% of total calories from polyunsaturated fatty acids. If any of what I'm saying does not make sense or you need clarification, please leave a comment or send me a message at newsletter at jmartfit.com. If all that sounds interesting, then this podcast episode is for you. Just before we get started, this is a reminder that you can get started with my free bodyweight training program, Body Basics, which requires no equipment by going to subscribepage.com slash bodybasics. Also, if you're watching this on YouTube, don't forget to smash the like button for the YouTube algorithm, hit subscribe if you like the content, and hit the notification bell too. Alright, here's the episode. What is going on, everybody? Welcome. This is Jmart. Thank you for joining me on another episode of my podcast, The State of Health. <laughs> oh, man, today we're gonna, I've got another probably long episode ahead of us doing another deep dive into nutritional science. I know that's everybody's favorite topic, so that's why I'm covering it. <laughs> no, it's just something I care about, and if somebody else cares about it too, then awesome. Joining, join me, and let's figure out what nutrition science has to say. The specific topic we are 
taking a deep dive on going down the rabbit hole will be on fats, on whether saturated fat or polyunsaturated fat is good for coronary heart disease. And this is the third episode in a row discussing this uh, subject. Uh, if you haven't heard the previous two episodes, I really recommend you go back and check those out. But if you don't have the time, that's okay. I'm going to do a quick summary of what we've covered so far. The first episode that I covered this, which was two episodes back now, we did a review of an article from the Journal of the American College of Cardiologists. So pretty good journal, cardiologists, they know a thing or two about heart health. And in that journal, there was a review of kind of like the literature out there on what is the relationship with saturated fat intake and cardiovascular disease risk. And the outcome of that or review was that um, those authors uh, demonstrate both with observational and interventional data that saturated fat is not related or associated with higher cardiovascular disease risk. And I think it was a pretty good paper in terms of like uh, the data they looked at and how they presented it. Um, in, in terms of my critique, I, ha I didn't have a lot of negative critique of that paper. However, I did have quite a lot to say about the second one that we covered, which was the previous episode. And in that one, I looked at a meta-analysis, which means it's a scientific article that basically combines data from other research that's been done and tries to see if there's any overarching kind of trends within that. And so they were looking at whether replacing saturated fat with polyunsaturated fat what effect that has on cardiovascular, or this, in this case, they defined coronary heart disease. So that would be basically heart attacks and heart attack related deaths. And what that study says is that when you have a significant increase in polyunsaturated fat, which just to, to go back a little bit, polyunsaturated fat, most often that when people say that they're referring to vegetable oils or they're they're marketed as vegetable oils but they're really seed oils because they come from things that are seeds such as soybean right there's a uh, cotton seed um, corn all these seed oils are full of omega-6 polyunsaturated fatty acid and in this uh, second study i looked at they were increasing the omega-6 PUFA consumption threefold and this was lo looking at intervention studies now where the subjects were actually like given a, a diet. But that's not actually fully true because some of the studies, the subjects were given the diet and then in other ones, they were just given dietary advice. But so they combined this data together and showed a overall 19% relative risk reduction in the intervention group, in the diet intervention group that had more sat uh, polyunsaturated fats. Now, it was a 19% relative risk, but when you looked at the absolute data, it was only a 2%, 1 to 2%. They didn't actually provide the data, but that's just my kind of uh, uh, calculation that it was only a 1 to 2% absolute risk reduction. And when you actually looked at the data more closely and looked at the all-cause mortality, that was actually the same between both groups. So even though heart attacks, heart attack-related deaths were lower in the intervention group, total deaths were the same. So you have to ask yourself, is the diet intervention really helping if total deaths are the same? My answer is no, it's not. 
And if you look at the data a little bit more closely and separate it out a little further based on quality, the authors do this themselves. They have uh, uh, quality scores they give um, between uh, zero and five, five being the highest. And surprisingly, the highest uh, score that any of the studies got were three, and it was only two out of the eight. And those high quality studies definitely did not show difference. And then the lower quality studies did show an effect. But surprisingly, it was not statistically significant, which means that there wasn't basically enough of a sample size to, uh, you know, attribute a true effect. You don't know for sure if it's just a statistical error or if you're actually seeing an effect. So altogether made me basically disregard the uh, claims that the authors made in that paper, suggesting that replacing replacing saturated fat with polyunsaturated fat from vegetable sources rich in omega-6 fatty acids was uh, beneficial for uh, uh, coronary heart disease outcomes. So now that brings us to today's paper. We're going to look at a very large study that was actually included in uh, the meta-analysis from the previous episode. Uh, it was actually the largest part of the whole thing. So the previous meta-analysis had eight studies that altogether uh, summed up to 13,600 participants, if I remember correctly. Over 9,000 of those, I think 9,500, will be from this one study that we'll be looking at, which is known as the Minnesota Coronary Experiment. And uh, this is actually very, it's become an infamous kind of uh, study because the, uh, like the data for the study was collected from uh, 60 to 70, uh, late 60s to early 70s. And then the data was just put in a drawer and never looked at because, you know, the results did not fit what the researchers were hoping to find. And then part of the results, not the full set, was published in the late 80s like uh, nearly 20 years later. And then now, nearly 40 years later, another scientist was able to find the data that was never published before and, yeah, do some analysis. And it's funny, if you uh, do a Google search on Minnesota coronary experiment, you'll come across this um, Washington Post article. Let me go in here. This is the uh, article here that we'll go through, but let's check out this Washington Post article first. And I think I'm covering a part of the screen here. So let's fix that. Here we go. We'll just do that for now. Learning how to use this. So it's quite a sensational title to the article. This study 40 years ago could have reshaped the American diet, but it was never fully published. (laughs) So I've highlighted some of the important parts of the uh, article. Let's go over it together. The long-belated saga of the Minnesota coronary experiment may also make a broader point about how science gets done. It suggests just how difficult it can be for new evidence to see the light of day when it contradicts wildly held theories. Yes, absolutely. This is exactly the case in many different fields of science. There is already a working model that people have of what they're studying and how it works and behaves. And when there's new data that comes out that contradicts it, it takes a long time for that data to come through just because, you know, it's uh, hard for people to be able to change the model and what they believe in. And this is exactly, I think, what happened in this case. Let's go further. 
So Ramsen and colleagues, this is the gentleman who actually ended up finding some of this old data and reanalyzing it. They discovered the missing data during their research, during their research examining the potentially harmful effects of linoleic acid. I already mentioned this, this is the omega-6 PUFA. They were looking at potential harmful effects of linoleic acid on human health. So, and I already mentioned that this is a key constituent of vegetable oils, which I defined as actually seed oils. So preliminary research suggests a link between linoleic acid and diseases such as chronic pain, Ramsden said, and humans have been consuming it in larger quantities than their bodies may be prepared for. Before the advent of agriculture, humans got two to three percent of their calories from linoleic acid, according to the new paper. Today, however, most Americans awash in cooking oils and oils added to snack foods get much more. Exactly. So this is not something that used to be in human diets. This is not something that we've probably evolved to. And now we're increasing uh, consumption of it in drastic amounts. And this is exactly what the study looked at and tried to see what effects this could have on people's health. And the, the results of what the study showed was very against what they were expecting. And this is part of the reason why it was never published. And this is what the author of this Washington Post article says. It's not exactly clear why the full set of data from the Minnesota experiment was never published. The results of the study were never touted by the investigators. Partial results were presented at an American Heart Association conference in 1975. And it wasn't until 89, 1989, 14 years later, that some of the results were published, appearing in a medical journal known as arteriosclerosis. So the principal investigators were Ansel Keys and Ivan France for this study. And Ansel Keys is well known as like the, the father of the diet heart hypothesis and the person who kind of created the American Heart Association that uh, pushed the recommendation of reducing saturated fat and instead taking on polyunsaturated fat. He's a really well-known figure. His image is on the cover of Time magazine, which I used for the thumbnail of this article. But so why was this data only partially published in 89, like well over 10 years after the data was collected? Well, this gentleman, Stephen Brosty, who's a biostatistician, he was actually a student at the University of Minnesota and used a full set of data for his master's thesis in 81. That's crazy. So he used the data for his thesis in 81, and that was never published either. And only part of the data was then published eight years later after his thesis. Anyways, part of the problem, Brosty's suggesting in an interview, may have been the limits on statistical methods at the time. Computer software for statistics wasn't as readily available as it is today, so at the time of the study, it wasn't as easy to know how significant the data was. Fair enough, he's being charitable to these principal investigators, but like, how long does it take to eventually get computer software to be able to analyze this data? It took them over 10 years to just publish part of the set of data. Why weren't they able to get the computer software to analyze the whole set? Here it says, Brosty completed his thesis several years after the last patient had left the trial, but his thesis was not published in a journal. Now, here's what uh, this uh, statistician thinks. Brosty also suggested that at least part of the reason for the incomplete publication of the data might have been human nature. The Minnesota investigators had a theory that they believed in that reducing blood cholesterol would make people healthier. Indeed, the data was widespread and would soon be adopted by the federal government in the first dietary recommendations. So when the data they collected from the mental patients conflicted with this theory, 
the scientists may have been reluctant to believe what their experiments had turned up. Yes, absolutely. They are the ones that put forth this diet-heart hypothesis. And then when they went to collect really solid evidence to try to prove it as best they can, they got results that disproved it. So, of course, they're not going to be motivated to publish this data. That's my take on it. Let's get to the actual paper with this 2016 analysis and let's see what we can learn from it. So again, Christopher Ramsden is the gentleman who uh, found and uh, reanalyzed the data. And then this is the main author of the, of the paper itself. I just did a quick search on him. He's got lots of publications, lots of citations. Seems like a very reputable scientist. Let's start with the introduction. So, the traditional diet heart hypothesis. What is it? Well, basically, the hypothesis is that if we introduce a diet that results in a lower level of blood cholesterol, this will lead to less deposition of cholesterol, meaning less plaque on arterial walls, and this will slow down the progression of atherosclerosis, which means that over long periods of time, there will be less heart attacks and less deaths from heart attacks. So what evidence is there to uh, support this claim? Well, it is supported by evidence from randomized control trials showing that replacement of saturated fat with linoleic acid lowers serum total cholesterol and low-density lipoprotein. Right, so we know that from intervention, if we change the diet from high in saturated fat to high in polyunsaturated fat, this will have an effect on total cholesterol levels by bringing them to lower levels, specifically LDL itself. And then we also have some observational evidence linking serum cholesterol to coronary heart disease events and deaths. Right, so observational evidence means that there's an association with levels of blood cholesterol. And so when blood cholesterol is high, we have associations with increased coronary heart disease events and deaths. And when it's lower, it's the other way. But... Despite these compelling relations, no randomized control trial has shown that replacement of saturated fat with linoleic acid, which is an omega-6 polyunsaturated fatty acid, or PUFA, I'll refer to it as PUFA for short, significantly reduces coronary heart disease events or deaths. Right, so there's never been any actual interventional data, and this is exactly what the uh, paper from the previous episode that I discussed says as well. No intervention data shows that diet will actually reduce uh, heart attacks and heart attack related deaths when you change it towards increased polyunsaturated fats. So that's what we're trying to look at. Now, before we get into the data, let's talk a little bit more about unpublished data and recovering unpublished data because this happens more often than you'd think. There's actually a trend. So look at what they say. Our recovery, talking about this one of the Minnesota coronary experiment, and the 2013 publication of previously unpublished data from the Sydney Diet Heart Study belatedly show that replacement of saturated fat with vegetable oil rich in linoleic acid significantly increases the risk of death from coronary heart disease and all causes, despite lowering serum cholesterol. Right, so not only is it that the data is showing opposite of what the hypothesis would have guessed, but there's multiple trials that demonstrate this. Now, let's talk a little bit more about the Minnesota coronary experiment itself specifically. Now, this experiment was a randomized controlled trial that was conducted from 1968 to 73 
and it was the largest of its kind. There was over 9,500 participants and perhaps the most rigorously executed dietary trial of cholesterol lowering by replacement of saturated fat with vegetable oil rich in linoleic acid. Yeah, this was such a well-controlled trial because it was done in mental health hospitals where they could really be in charge of what people ate and really study exactly the components of that. The Minnesota coronary experiment is the only such randomized controlled trial to complete post-mortem assessment of coronary, aortic, and cerebrovascular atherosclerosis grade and infarct status, and the only one to test the clinical effects of increasing linoleic acid in large pre-specified subgroups of women and older adults. So this is really important. First point is that they collected uh, post-mortem data to really know for sure why people died because sometimes you can have misallocation of death for certain reasons and that can change what uh, conclusions you come to. And then second of all, they included population groups that don't often get included because most of these trials include men and people who are under 65, but they had a large uh, subgroup of women and people over the age of 65. And you'll see that this is going to turn out to be very important. So what exactly did they recover? First of all, they recovered the, some raw data, including previously unpublished records of serum cholesterol and autopsy reports, and extensive collection of study documents, including that master thesis that never got published, which included detailed survival analyses for the full randomized cohort and for the pre-specified age and sex subgroups, which was never previously cited or considered part of the scientific evidence. Right, so um, they don't have the raw data that the, the thesis is based on, unfortunately. They just have the thesis itself, which was never published in any journal. But they do have some other raw data that they discovered and did analysis on that we'll look at together. So let's look at the methods to get a better idea of the study parameters. So this will be a little bit of a repeat, but basically the experiment was designed to evaluate the effects of increasing omega-6 linoleic acid from corn oil, and this was in place of saturated fat for primary and secondary prevention of cardiovascular events and deaths. So primary means people who've never had any coronary heart disease events, and secondary is when they've had at least one event. And it was also for reducing the degree of atherosclerosis and the number of myocardial infarcts, so heart attacks and strokes detected at autopsy. Right, so they were changing the diet, introducing more seed oil, and looking at heart attack-related deaths, overall deaths, and then doing post-mortem autopsies to look for the level of atherosclerosis and to validate whether someone had a heart attack or not. The study was done from 68 to 73 uh, in the state of Minnesota, and Eligible participants were men and women aged over 20. And again, they had people as old as over 65. And these people were people from nursing homes or one of six state mental hospitals. The experiment lasted from 41 to 56 months. And the principal investigators were Ivan France and Ansel Keys. Here is a representation of the diets that were used in uh, control and intervention groups. On the left here, we see what the baseline diet would have been at the nursing home and mental hospitals. So regarding linoleic acid, you can see it was low. So that's the omega-6 PUFA, just slightly over 3% of total calorie intake. 
and saturated fat you can see is high above 16% of total calorie intake at baseline. And then the control group that they studied, they gave a diet similar to what the baseline would have been at these uh, nursing homes and hospitals, but the linoleic acid, the omega-6 PUFA was still increased slightly by as much as 38%, I believe, for the control group. Whereas for the intervention group, it was increased significantly more by over 280%. Whereas the uh, saturated fat remained the same in the control group, but was divided in half, decreased of 50% in the intervention group. Let's describe what these diets were a little bit more in detail. So the serum cholesterol lowering diet was made up of liquid corn oil which was used in place of the usual hospital cooking fats, including hydrogenated oils, and was also added to numerous food items such as salad dressings, filled beef, filled milk, and filled cheeses. Also, soft corn oil polyunsaturated margarine was used in place of butter. This intervention produced a mean reduction in dietary saturated fat by about 50%. We already went over this and increased linoleic acid by more than 280%. Right, so... Keep in mind, I highlighted hydrogenated oils here. This was used in the control group, and we know that hydrogenated oils are actually high in trans fats. So it's possible that the control group might have consumed uh, a bunch of trans fats that would have uh, altered the data slightly. Now, what about the control diet? The control diet was composed of common margarines and shortenings, which were a key component of the diet as common margarines and shortenings of this period were rich sources of industrially produced trans fatty acids, I just mentioned this, the control diet contained substantial quantities of trans fat. Control diet did not change saturated fat intake, but did substantially increase linoleic acid intake by about 38%. I already mentioned this as well. So you can see both in the control and intervention group, there is a slight increase in linoleic acid consumption. So we should see some effect in blood cholesterol levels in both groups. Now, in addition to analyzing this recovered unpublished data, they also did another systematic meta-analysis, similar to the article that I covered in my previous episode, where they combined the results of multiple studies that did similar experiments to look for overall trends. So, so let's just quickly go over the parameters for their systematic review and meta-analysis. So they did review and analysis of randomized controlled trials that specifically tested whether replacement of saturated fat with vegetable oil rich in linoleic acid decreases mortality from coronary heart disease and all-cause mortality. So it's good that they're looking at both, right? Like I've mentioned before, if we see a decrease in mortality from coronary heart disease but an increase in all-cause mortality, then this is not an improvement. We need to see a decrease in both. So what kind of studies did they look at? The parameters they used was they looked at studies that randomly assigned participants so that the studies were randomized, which is very important. They also looked for studies that provided an intervention of vegetable oil rich in linoleic acid in place of saturated fat and ones that compared it with a usual care control diet. Also, they made sure the studies were not confounded by the addition of large quantities of omega-3 EPA and DHA or by other interventions such as changes in the diet or medical management of things such as smoking or blood pressure. They made sure they included studies that reported deaths from coronary heart disease and all causes. And very importantly, they excluded randomized control trials that provided 
large quantities of omega-3, and they excluded studies that provided advice only without actually providing the oils rich in linoleic acid. All right, so let's go over the results together and see what we can learn. So the first question we want to answer is, did the experiment intervention lower serum or blood cholesterol? And the answer to this should be yes, as predicted by the diet hypothesis. So as predicted, the participants in the intervention group significantly lowered serum cholesterol compared to the control group and to the baseline. It was an, on average a 14% decrease in blood cholesterol levels. And remember, the control diet had also an increased amount of linoleic acid that they consumed compared to the baseline diet from the hospitals. So in the control diet, uh, there was a modest but significant reduction of serum cholesterol compared to baseline as well. On average, a 1% decrease in blood cholesterol levels. Now, did the decrease in blood cholesterol levels result in reduced risk of death? Well, the data they used to answer this question is from this thesis from Mr. Brosty, who we talked about previously. And in his thesis, he has these life table graphs which confirmed that there was actually no mortality benefit in the full cohort. And more importantly, the life table for the cohort of people aged over 65 suggests that there was a possibility of an increased risk of death for the intervention group compared with the control. Yeah, so this runs counter to the diet heart hypothesis. The first part was true, and we already have previous data to support this, that when you change the diet for, more uh, for less saturated fat and more polyunsaturated fat in the diet, you will see a decrease in the blood cholesterol levels. But the second part is the more important part, of course. Does this actually reduce risk of death? And according to these life table graphs from this gentleman's thesis, they do not. In fact, the age group over the age of 65 uh, is at higher risk. Now, we do have to be careful because this data was taken from the thesis and the raw data was not available. So in the absence of raw data, the uh, authors do say that we cannot determine the statistical significance of this finding. However, we do know that the survival analysis was presented in the 1989 manuscript, which was published, which also showed no mortality benefit for the full population. Here are the life table graphs that I was just talking about. And here this top graph includes all the participants in the, in the trial. And as you can see, both control and diet interventions have the same rate of mortality throughout the study. And this is true for the male subgroup, for the female subgroup, and the subgroup aged below 65. However, it's very clear in this life table graph that the people over the age of 65 did have a higher risk of death in the intervention group as delineated by the blue line here compared to the control group as seen in red. So in this part of the results, the authors took the data and divided it between the control and intervention groups to see the risk of death. But there's more than one way to analyze this data. And with the finding of new raw data, the authors were able to actually take the participants who were in the study for the longest period of time for over a year and up to four and a quarter years, the raw data for those participants is available regarding what their blood cholesterol levels were. And with that data, we are able to further subdivide 
all the participants into those that were able to lower their blood cholesterol level and those that increased their blood cholesterol level. And with that level of uh, stratification, we can look a little bit more closely as to what goes on in terms of risk of death. So the question is, was the change in serum or blood cholesterol related to risk of death? And according to the authors of this paper, they say that the experiment participants with the greater reduction in blood cholesterol had a higher rather than a lower risk of death. Again, this runs counter to the diet heart hypothesis in that when we lower blood cholesterol levels, in theory, we should see a slowdown of uh, plaque deposition, less atherosclerosis, meaning less death. But in fact, we see that people in this diet intervention study that had the greatest reduction in blood cholesterol levels had the highest risk of death. That is presented in this graph here, which I'll try to explain. So this top row represents all the participants in the study, and the second row represents the number of deaths that happened. The left side here represents the intervention group. In the middle, we have the control group, and on the right, it's both of them combined. In all of these graphs, we have a line down the middle representing no change in blood cholesterol levels. And as you can see in the intervention group, most of the participants are represented to the right of that line indicating a decrease in blood cholesterol. A few of the intervention group did increase their blood cholesterol, but most of them did decrease it. In the control group, it was almost an even 50-50 split with slightly more in the control group lowering their blood cholesterol, which was expected, right, because they did increase their linoleic acid consumption slightly. Now, when we look at the deaths, we can see that, again, majority of the deaths are happening in, in those individuals who are to the right of this line, indicating that the people who had lowered their cholesterol the most had actually the highest risk of death because those are the ones that, dying, that are dying as there's very few people uh, who uh, increased their blood cholesterol levels uh, were experiencing the same uh, rate of death. And now keep in mind again that this graph is based on raw data that was collected on people's blood cholesterol levels and also the raw data of how many uh, participants passed away while they were at the hospital. So, and these results are statistically significant, as we'll see. Let's take a look here. The authors say that in survival analyses, there was a robust association between decreasing serum or blood cholesterol and increased risk of death. And this association did not differ between the intervention and control group. Among both groups combined, a 30 milligram per deciliter decrease in blood cholesterol, which was the average decrease, was associated with 22% higher risk of death from any cause. And again, this number is statistically significant and when we look at the 95% confidence intervals, we see that the hazard ratio is well above one, suggesting that this higher risk of death from decreased blood cholesterol levels is most likely a reliable observation. Now, we do see that the higher risk of death that's associated with the decreased blood cholesterol levels seems to be driven by the subgroup aged below 65. So this further confirms the data that we saw from the thesis that included all of the participants. This is just including the data of the people who participated in it the longest between over one year and less than four years or less than four and a quarter years. And uh, that was over 2000 of the participants 
from a total of 9,500. And in, in these participants who were older than 65, uh, the same average decrease in blood cholesterol levels was associated with an even greater 35% higher risk of death. And again, this was a statistically significant result. And again, the confidence intervals are well above one, suggesting reliability in this result observation. Given all that, the authors say that this finding, that greater lowering of blood cholesterol is associated with higher rather than lower risk of death in the experiment, does not provide support for the traditional diet-heart hypothesis. Absolutely, it goes exactly counter to what the diet-heart hypothesis would predict. Now, what about the autopsy findings or the autopsy records that they collected? Did those say anything different? Well, first of all, the experiment investigators had hypothesized that the participants in the intervention group would have fewer heart attacks or myocardial infarcts, is what they say here, as confirmed by autopsy, and they would have less advanced atherosclerosis. This is why they did the autopsies to get this data. However, 41% of participants in the intervention group had at least one myocardial infarct, heart attack, whereas only 22% of participants in the control group did. So half as many people in the control group had heart attacks compared to the intervention group who you would expect to have less. What does that tell you? It tells you that the diet intervention is not working, in my opinion. Also, the participants in the intervention group did not have less coronary atherosclerosis or aortic atherosclerosis, as you know would have been confirmed by the autopsy findings. So, however, we do have to take this data with a grain of salt because these findings because the authors say these findings should be interpreted with caution because of partial recovery of autopsy files. Yeah, so I believe they only recovered half of the autopsy files that they uh, had. Therefore, you know, we can't be sure that there was actually twice as many heart attacks in the diet intervention group as con compared to the control. But still, this is a huge gap between the two that again provides evidence counter to the diet heart hypothesis. What about the meta-analysis? Was there any finding from the meta-analysis that would go against what we've seen so far? Well, the authors say that out of 1,270 screen records, they identified only five randomized control trials that fit their criteria of providing vegetable oils rich in linoleic acid in place of saturated fat, and that did not have any confounding um, effects such as other interventions that they were trying at the same time. Of these five trials, there were 10,808 participants with 324 deaths attributed to coronary heart disease and 1,001 deaths from all causes. On average, the serum cholesterol concentration was 8 to 14% lower in the intervention groups compared to the control groups of these five studies. And so the meta-analysis of these five trials provided that there was no evidence or benefit on mortality from coronary heart disease or all-cause mortality. So again, providing further evidence that the diet heart hypothesis is, uh, cannot be supported by interventional data. Thus, the authors conclude, although limited, available evidence from randomized controlled trials provides no indication of benefit on coronary heart disease or all-cause mortality from replacing saturated fat with linoleic acid rich in vegetable oils. So this meta-analysis runs completely counter to the meta-analysis from the, from the previous podcast episode. However, I think this is a much stronger set of data that they present in this one. And let's explore that a little bit further by going over some of the strengths and limitations of this trial. 
I'm going to skip over the discussion for now, except to maybe go over one question that I think is an important question, which is why didn't lowering serum cholesterol translate to clinical improvements in diet heart randomized control trials? And so here's the potential answer that the authors give. Critically, consumption of vegetable oils rich in linoleic acid provides a wide range of biochemical consequences, including qualitative changes in lipoprotein particle oxidation that could plausibly increase risk of coronary heart disease. Hence, the clinical effects of replacing saturated fat with vegetable oils could reflect the net impact of decreasing low-density lipoprotein while increasing its susceptibility to oxidation. Therefore, one way to interpret the unfavorable results of this study is that high intake of linoleic acid could have adverse effects in people who are prone to linoleic acid oxidation, such as smokers, heavy drinkers, and older adults, right? So I think what they're trying to say is that it's very narrow-minded to just be looking at blood cholesterol levels to predict if someone is going to have higher risk of coronary heart disease. And so we need to look at the big picture. What is the total range of effects that increasing linoleic acid cons consumption could have? It does reduce blood cholesterol levels, but there could be a cascade of other effects going on as well. One example they give is oxidation. And so if the other effects that increased vegetable oil consumption is having are harmful, then the net effect is not going to be seen po as positive. And I'll also cover this point here because I think it's important we need to keep in mind that high linoleic acid intake from vegetable oils is recent and atypical in terms of a nutritional phenomenon. So individuals eating only minimally processed whole foods, as everyone did about 100 years ago, would have consumed 2-3% to of calories from linoleic acid. By contrast, among industrialized populations today, most linoleic acid intake is derived from highly concentrated vegetable oils in which the fatty acids are separated from fiber, protein, and micronutrients that are naturally present in vegetable oils and seeds, and the mean linoleic acid intake in the U.S. of about 17 grams a day, which is 7% of total calories, is much higher than the approximately 6 grams of daily linoleic acid provided by natural food diets without added vegetable oils. So yeah, not only is it the fact that these vegetable oils are not whole foods, they're completely separated from all the things that make it into a food, but also the fact that we're getting ungodly amounts that we never used to get. And this is probably the reason why it's not contributing to, to better coronary heart disease outcomes. All right, my original point where I was going to talk about the strengths and limitations of the study. So first of all, the Minnesota coronary experiment is by far the largest randomized control trial to test the central diet heart hypothesis that lowering blood cholesterol by replacing saturated fat with linoleic acid-rich vegetable oils will translate to a lower risk of coronary heart disease and death. It's the largest of its kind by a mile. There's nothing that comes close. And also, more importantly, it's the only randomized control trial to test the clinical effects of that we talked about on women and people over the age of 65. And that becomes very important, as we saw, because the age group over 65 was... Um, at higher risk, and it's the only such trial to complete a post-mortem assessment of the atherosclerosis grade and infarct status. Yeah, this is one of the best studies ever done in this field. Also, more importantly, all the meals were provided, 
And so therefore we know that changes in linoleic acid and saturated fat were from the dyes provided and not from anything else, which is another great strength of this uh, study. A limitation is that the participants were followed only while they were in the hospital and only about a quarter of the randomized participants remained in the study for longer than a year. But keep in mind that this was a very large study, over 9,500 people, and a quarter of that makes it over 2,000 people, which is still larger than most other studies uh, that test a similar question. Another important point is that even though they use data from a randomized control trial, the analysis of the association between serum cholesterol and death was observational in nature. Yes, this is true because they were able to observe this in both groups, both the diet intervention group and the control diet group had the same effect where those people in either group who had lower blood cholesterol levels also experienced higher risk of death. I'm going to highlight this next point because I think it's very important. Because the trans fatty acid contents of the experiment study diets are not available, one could speculate that the lack of benefit in the intervention group was because of increased consumption of trans fats. However, The Minnesota coronary experiment principal investigators, Ivan France and Ansel Keys, were well aware of the cholesterol-raising effects of trans fat prior to initiating the Minnesota coronary experiment. So it is highly likely that this experienced team would have selected products that would have contained as little trans fat as possible to maximize the achieved degree of cholesterol lowering. And in fact, it was the common margarines and shortenings, which are a major source of trans fat, which were important components of the baseline hospital diet and the control diet, but not the intervention diet. So in fact, it's the trans fat in the control diet that could actually, we could speculate that there's a lack of benefit in the control diet. Therefore, we would have seen an even higher risk from the intervention group had we had that comparison between a control group that did not receive any trans fats. The last couple of points regarding limitation are first that the experiment intervention diet did contain almost twice as much linoleic acid as the average American diet, which limits how much we can generalize the effects of PUFAs on the population because not many people are consuming as much as they did in this study. Another thing is the fact that this was conducted in mental hospitals and nursing homes. And while that was really good because it reduced the number of missed meals and maximized the achieved degree of blood cholesterol lowering, however, we do need to point out that the results are not necessarily generalizable to populations without mental illness or living outside nursing homes. And this is true because there are multiple lifestyle factors that will contribute to coronary heart disease outcomes. For example, your smoking status is very important. how much physical activity you get throughout the day is very important, as well as what diet you're on. Last point is that the trials used concentrated vegetable oils, therefore the results should not be generalized to nuts or other unprocessed foods containing linoleic acid. Yes, absolutely. These results should only be talked about regarding vegetable oils that are rich in linoleic acid and not whole foods like nuts and other things. So just to give a quick summary at the end here of the journey we've gone through together, we talked about the Minnesota coronary experiment, which was done in the late 60s, early 70s. This was done by investigators who were proponents of the diet heart hypothesis, and they were hoping to find data to prove their hypothesis. And so when the results of the study came out demonstrating 
no benefit for increasing polyunsaturated fatty acid consumption. The data was just simply put aside and never published. And now that the raw data has been rediscovered and reanalyzed, not only do we see no benefit, we see an increased risk in the population above the age of 65. So what does this all mean? What practical lesson can I get from all this? I think what we should take from all this is the fact that if we're going to consume processed foods, that we need to make sure that that processing is done in order to make the food more safe, more nutrient dense, and more bioavailable. And if those three things are not happening, then possibly that level of processing is unnecessary. And I'll leave you with that for today. Thank you for Thanks again for watching or listening till the end of the podcast. This episode was a little more challenging for me to present in a smooth and coherent manner, so I hope the uptake was okay for you. If you have any follow-up questions, please reach out and let me clear up any uncertainty. Either leave a comment or email me at newsletter at jmartfit.com. That's all I have for you today, ladies and gents. Connect with me on social media at jmartfit on Instagram and jmartmoves on Facebook or get my free bodyweight training program at subscribepage.com slash bodybasics. Jmart out.